Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. It's the holidays again, and that means it's time for employment attorneys everywhere to issue their annual advice about holiday parties. Honestly, I was on the fence about this episode because everybody does this around this time of year, and it seems kind of like going through the motions, but I'm going to do it for one simple reason. In my experience, there are three things that reliably generate employment litigation. Number one, reductions in force. Number two, company-sponsored group travel involving sales employees. And number three, holiday parties. So let's jump right in. First, I suppose I should lay some puns on you about this topic since every article you see has a punny title. Let's see. Don't let your holiday party get scrooged. Don't let your holiday party violate the fa-la-law. Stay out of jingle bell hell. Keep your holiday party off the naughty list. Enough? How about one more? Don't let your holiday party create tremendous liability. Okay, moving on. Here are nine things to think about if you are considering a holiday party for your employees. Number one, alcohol. This is always first on the holiday party list because it generates the most problems. Here's a crazy thought. From an employment law perspective, it would be a great idea not to serve alcohol at all. Maybe just a nice meal and a tasteful gift for the staff, some light jazz in the background. But some of you are saying, I don't need to drink to have a good time. I need to drink to have an average time. First, you should probably talk to someone about that. Second, if you are serving alcohol, consider limiting it to beer and wine and using drink tickets so you can limit the number of drinks people get. Also, you should use professional bartenders who are trained to cut people off if they overindulge. If you serve alcohol, you should also serve food and make sure there are plenty of non-alcoholic options. Number two, transportation. If you serve alcohol, you will also need to consider transportation for after the party. Apart from standard employment law claims, there are many unfortunate examples of company liability from accidents caused by impaired driving. So you should consider options like paying for Uber, renting transportation, or having designated drivers. Also, someone needs to keep an eye on people and make sure that these options are used by the people who need them, which leads to my next point. Number three, communication. At some point prior to the party, you should make clear to everyone that the rules still apply. This includes anti-harassment policies, dress codes, and related rules. This is especially important if you have an event away from the office, since people are more likely to consider it to be an off-duty event. It also makes sense to have a clear start and end time for the event. I can recall one unfortunate case I handled where the issues arose from a group of employees' conduct after nearly everyone had left the official event, but the argument in the case was that the event was still going on and it would have been helpful to have some clear communication on that issue in advance. Number four, management stays on duty. Even apart from general communications about policies and rules applying, managers need to understand that they are still managers even at the holiday party. This means that they have the same obligations as they do in the workplace. If they witness bad behavior, they need to act as they would at work and take appropriate steps. They will not get a pass for ignoring harassment or other inappropriate behavior just because it occurred at a party instead of in the office. This is probably a good topic to cover in a meeting before the party. 
Also, consider designating a couple of managers to be the party chaperones and task them with keeping especially vigilant for any inappropriate behavior. Number five, wage and hour issues. If you require employees to attend the party, the non-exempt ones must be paid for their time. Be especially careful of parties that occur over lunch, during the workday, or immediately after work hours. These periods often appear to be simply part of the workday, and there is sometimes confusion about what is and what is not required. Also, be aware of the danger of pressure to attend the party. You may make the party optional on an official basis, but employees may still feel obligated, sometimes because of manager comments. Also, if party time results in overtime, that must be paid as well. Number six, the plus one. Another area that sometimes leads to problems is allowing outside guests at the party. If you're going to allow it, the best approach is to allow everyone to bring one additional person without preference to the relationship between the employee and the guest. The bright side of this approach is that in general, employees are less likely to get out of control if a spouse or significant other is present. Of course, you can also limit the party to only employees as long as the rule is consistently applied. Number seven, religion. In most cases, the best approach to workplace holiday parties is to keep them secular. Obviously, there are exceptions, such as overtly religious organizations and churches, but in general, having specific religious symbols or displays or group prayers can lead to claims of discrimination or even harassment. Making the party strictly voluntary can mitigate this somewhat, but you should take a look at the makeup of your workforce and draw the lines accordingly. Number eight, Secret Santa. Boy, this list just keeps getting better. Let's see, Secret Santa. This is a gift exchange game where people draw names out of a hat and give the person whose name they draw a gift. Usually there's some preset price range for the gifts, or sometimes it's a series of gifts. What a terrible idea. I don't even have time to list all the ways this can go sideways. If you do have to do it, make sure you communicate the rules, including strict rules about the amount and nature of the gifts. In my experience, the most common issue is with wildly inappropriate gifts. Rules should include things like nothing sexual, political, alcoholic, or vulgar, but the list goes on and on. One approach I've seen that is a pretty good idea is to make the exchange only for specific items like ornaments or candles or socks. Bottom line, though, Secret Santa is a minefield, and you enter at your own risk. Number nine, skip it. I can't believe anyone is still thinking about a holiday party at this point. And what's wrong with skipping it altogether or letting everyone leave a couple of hours early, maybe with pay even? We all spend a lot of time at work and the holidays are hectic for everyone. You don't necessarily need to add one more thing to everyone's list. This is the bah humbug approach, but from a legal standpoint, it has a lot to recommend it. So there you have it, nine thoughts on holiday parties. I'll tell you what, just to make it an even 10, I'll give you one more. No mistletoe. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. 
Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.